Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Get Real with Dr. Ronay, doctor of clinical psychology and trauma specialist. Dr. Ron A. Calvert is Executive Director of Live Treatment Concierge Services. Live Treatment provides a unique wraparound approach of concierge services in person and virtually, specifically tailored to each client with a level of effectiveness that transcends any other program. In her daily experience of guiding clients to recovery and emotional freedom, Dr. Renee Calvert gets real to shed light on subjects that have remained in the shadows with courage and compassion. Joined by Bindi Height, international spiritual coach and mentor from Ethical Change Agency, with the mission to inspire change makers and holistic healers to create collective change to make the world a better place through the power of human connection, purpose, and podcasts. It's time to get real. Hey, Ronay. Hi, Bendy. Now, uh, we've got a special panel with us today, uh, and we're talking about tasting the rainbow. Uh, we're doing a special LGBTQ panel uh, in this episode. Um, so what we're going to do to begin with is go around and uh, introduce ourselves. Uh, so uh, obviously, we're going to start with you, Dr. Ronay. My name is Dr. Ronay Calvert. And I'm so uh, blessed and fortunate to be allowed the opportunity to have the conversation today um, that really originated for me back when I began at the roots of my work um, at the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Center on Schrader Boulevard. I began working and interning at the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Center and had the amazing privilege of being um, as openly identifying as heterosexual, which by the, by the way, I, I will describe as being on a continuum. Um, it was there that my supervisor, then mentor and lifelong friend, um, Ian Stolberg, LCSW, questioned why it is that a heterosexual woman would want to work at the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Center. And what I told him was that I believe that the human struggle is a universal one, that I was not there to, I was not there as a voyeur. I was not there to meet my next gay best friend. Um, I was there because I knew that I would never be able to walk in those specific shoes. And I wanted to understand the most as I could as someone who does understand trauma, 
self-hatred, breaking through new barriers, new ceilings, um, making friends, losing friends, um, standing up for my beliefs, times when I have raised my voice um, for myself, but also for others, and times when I've also looked back and realized it wasn't my place to have raised my voice for others who never asked me to speak for them. Um, so it's been a journey of learning and exploration, both as a, as a human as a, and as a doctor, but really more than anything as a human being. Um, so today I dedicate myself um, as a clinical psychologist, uh, a life coach, an ally, and more importantly, as a human being who um, really wants to continue evolving, learning and growing the same way as I require of my staff and of my clients, especially my clients. So if I'm going to ask my clients to learn and evolve and step into the uncomfortable, um, and by uncomfortable, I mean the unknown, areas of ignorance, areas of evolution that we are too afraid or have been told it's not our right to inquire about. Um, leading that charge today, being a part of that charge today, um, and having open conversation about things that oftentimes don't come up because we don't want to admit what we don't know. And we're afraid of the reaction to not knowing it. That's, that's the best reason. Uh, there are also other awful reasons why these conversations don't happen. And those are also true. Um, so as CEO of Revive Detox, which is right adjacent to our amazing West Hollywood, and as um, the very proud CEO of Live Treatment, which is a wraparound program that is based on the individual and assigns teams of clinicians, case managers, and mentors to one individual at a time, um, you can kind of see that my process of thinking as a doctor and as a human being is to really focus on the person. Who are you? What do you want out of life? And how do we help you get there? So when we're talking about issues of identity, who are you? really is truly where it starts before we can know what makes you happy before we can know how to support you we need to know who you are and if you don't know how do we help you find out and how do you educate us in that process yes oh and we have got so much to cover in this episode so uh the rest of our panel uh i'm gonna cut over to dr steve Iacovelli. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Steve Vaccavelli, pronouns he, him, and his, and I am the owner and principal of Top Dog Learning Group, LLC. We are a learning development, change management, leadership, and diversity and inclusion consulting practice based here in the USA, but with clients throughout North America and around the world. And I'm also known as the Gay Leadership Dude. Thank you, Steve. Um, and over to Kate in Maine. Hey, Kate Driscoll here. Uh, pronouns are she and hers. Um, and yeah, present in Maine. So I'm really happy to be here and being able to chat with all you guys about this important topic. I work in addiction treatment. Uh, I am uh, the director of admissions for Revive Detox, um, which Dr. Calvert was mentioning earlier. 
Uh, and I also work uh, in conjunction um, with live treatment um, as a community liaison. So just to name a few. Um, and uh, <laughs> over to Michael here in Brisbane with me. Good morning. Um, I'm Michael James. Uh, he, him. I am a high school teacher and uh, I'm also a uh, the entertainment editor and writer for Q News magazine, which is uh, the biggest uh, LGBTIQA plus uh, publication in Australia. And um, yeah, not as fancy as doctors and things, but uh, <laughs> here to talk about stuff. <laughs> And it's uh, it's been a long time between microphones, Michael. So thank you, uh, thank you for joining I know. us. Oh, um, so long. <laughs> now, um, many people um, refrain from uh, talking about uh, orientation and gender identity or expression because it feels a bit taboo, um, or because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now. We're here today uh, to help give people the tools and to help make conversations easier and a bit more comfortable and to educate how to have those conversations. So LGBTQ people do use a variety of terms to identify themselves, um, but let's always listen and respect those persons' self-identified terminologies because pretty much says who they are. So I'm going to ask the first question and I'm going to start with um, Steve actually because he and I have spoken on this topic previously. I mean, uh, what's important about a label and what's the purpose? Yeah, it's, I mean, as humans, as as, uh, Dr. Calvera will will totally identify, you know, we we like to put things in boxes and put labels on things so we can understand and process them and, and, you know, it harkens back to safety and all that good stuff, we as humans, as a species. But I think uh, uh, labels do a couple different things. One, it's shortcut for people to at least start to understand who we are. Obviously, we don't want to edge into this, the place of stereotypes, uh, but we want, you know, can do some quick shorthand. You know, I'm a white cisgender gay dude. So there's some data in there that I've shared with those who I'm interacting with. Uh, I think it also helps create community and it helps create a bond for those who are like, or it opens those who aren't alike to start to understand and, and explore what are those differences and how, how are we similar yet unique to one another. Mm. Did you have any thoughts on that, Kate, about why labels are I so mean- important? Perfect. I mean, I think a major issue for me, um, probably with coming out, um, I'm a lesbian, cisgendered woman, um, was that fear of the label, um, which once you get over that hump, you realize, holy crap, I am proud to be a lesbian. Holy crap, I am proud to be in the queer community. And you realize that strength from the community. Um, So I, I couldn't agree more that it does kind of enforce that community. It can be awkward and it's you find yourself coming out all of the time but it's something that I think you do get used to (laughs) being in the queer community and it 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 I find myself getting stronger every time I do come out yeah so if I could jump in it's why I chose the gay leadership dude because then like the whole coming out thing I'm done you know it's kind of it's right there in the title can I can I jump in there with a question uh right off the bat from the way you each both so eloquently identified. I, I want to let you know that I have been tasked with the, I want to say unwarranted privilege, to be very honest with you, of, but, but, it's, but it is an honor. It's an unwarranted honor um, that I've been tasked with in my clients and also in my peers coming up to me and knowing all that I have gained, continue to learn and continue to advocate for 
within the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I will be asked questions as a cisgendered heterosexual woman. For example, what is cisgender? Where did it come from? I've never heard this before. I know what gay is. I know what being a lesbian is. Bisexual is also something I've come to understand. What is cisgender and what's the meaning of that? And does that mean that you like men or women? I mean, these are the kinds of questions I get asked. So I really feel like part of labels, right, is to kind of really understand first and foremost, kind of like the, the cheat sheet by which we, you know, we can look at and then discuss how that makes us more inclusionary because our ignorance keeps us on the outside looking in and there need to be safe ways of learning so that we can hopefully be invited in and that that's a different topic of what it looks like to actually be invited in uh, to a community of which we may consider ourselves an ally where we may not also feel welcome and how to look at that and how to respect those boundaries too so can we first just identify what those terms mean that you just used. And Steve's got a slide for that. Yeah, I mean, he is set up with the visual. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's seriously. like I have a doctorate distance learning or something. <laughs> we're, about to, we're, about to get, we're about to get woke. Let's go. <laughs> no, you know, and, and I... I didn't know a lot several years ago until I really, um, I was actually creating a self-paced learning on gender identity and gender expression in the workplace. And this is about 10 years ago when we created this. And um, it was meant for corporate folks to understand what do all these things mean? And so that's where I started trying to understand and be a better trans ally for our trans brothers and sisters. But, you know, we often group all these concepts of, of gender identity, gender expression, physical and sexual orientation, um, attractiveness, you know, a biological sex, we lump them all together wrongly. And, and, and so what we try to do now, because we're much more educated, is to, to understand those differences and nuances. It is absolutely, as I believe everyone here knows in this room, it is absolutely not black and white. None of this is. And, and so, so by kind of dissecting these different pieces and parts, we can get to understand the individual a little bit better. And so um, gender, gender um, identity is, you know, my internal understanding of the gender that, I, that, that I'm uh, identifying with, to use the term of the C knowledge. So you know, that can be very different than biological sex, which is what some medical person assigned to us when you know, we were, we were coming, coming out of the womb or whatever that looks like, which, whichever way you went, depending on your, you know, uh, the, the birth stuff. Um, but then you have gender expression. So it's, it's that physical outwardness that I'm sharing. Sometimes these are all aligned, sometimes they're not. And that's the difference in nuance that I think a lot of people don't quite get their head around at first. And then you throw in the whole, whole attractiveness orientation, again, completely separate. Um, you know, you have uh, trans folks who transition and they remain with the same partner. So does that mean, you know, if I, if I was, um, you know, uh, I was uh, assigned at birth female, I find my authentic self to be a trans man, but I'm still with the same, same woman, female partner. What does that mean to my, my sexual orientation? Yeah, it, it goes different things. And so, you know, I think the, you know, and you see graphics like this, you see a lot, of, a lot of different ones, but I think it's a beautiful way to help people start to deconstruct some of these, these concepts that we've just thrown together into one big giant bucket and labeled people this or that or this or that. 
So if I haven't seen the graphic and I'm listening to this on a podcast, right? I'm just listening. I don't see all the amazing colors and, and great graphics you have here that you're, that, that I, I guess I, I'm promoting right now should be something that everyone uh, who would like this education and don't have it um, to know that it's out there and that there's a safe place to come and ask where those answers do exist and where you're not going to be ashamed for, for asking the unknown. Um, but if I could just interpret that my way, the way I'm hearing it is sex, yeah. as it says, male, female, or in the, or in the event that we are born with two sexes, mm-hmm. that is something that a medical professional at birth assigns to us. That's our first label ever coming into the world, right? Male, female, for the purposes of brevity, that is what is assigned to us at birth. Then there is gender identity, which is what I, as an individual, identify with, meaning what I come to stand to believe is true about me. What I, what I see, what I feel when I look at myself. Mm-hmm. And then there is gender expression, which is how I choose to reveal what I see about myself to others. How I, how I literally express mm-hmm. what is internal and make it an external process. How I externalize my gender identity and inform you in some way, you, the public, you, you, the, not me, who I am. Right. And then what, so, so that's all under, I identify as male or female or non-binary, which we need to get into what that is. Correct. And then there's, so, and I'm going to express to you, the public, what that looks like to me the person who has the identity. Okay. I want to, I want to get to a very important psychological point about that because it really has grave significance to um, the clients with whom we work. And I believe as humans in general, and then there's something completely separate from that, which is our sexual orientation, our sexual identity. So before we get into that, which I feel is almost wholly separate, I really want to, to, to define that separateness especially as I, as a client would, would come to me or as a peer would, would come to me and ask for this seemingly to a lot of people who are in this world constantly, elementary education, and yet they're, they're afraid to ask. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. About those differences, okay? So getting back to gender identity and gender expression. While there are all kinds of ways in which I believe someone can express themselves from the way they dress to literally informing us of what they would like to be called, mm-hmm. how they would like to be regarded and referred to, 
Um, the most important thing I feel I can impart as a cisgendered person, which means I, my gender identity is consistent for me with the one that a medical professional assigned me at birth. They said, Rane is female. I grew into a young person and now a woman that says, I feel that is consistent with who I am. I feel, damn, I feel like a woman. Anyway, <laughs> um, so the idea is, the idea, the idea is, sorry, it just popped into my head. And I have to say it. Just Shania. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know where the country comes in every now and again with this New Yorker, but it does. Um, and I just embrace, I embrace the voices that come in. Anyway, so um, I do feel like a woman and I therefore express myself as a woman. Now, whatever I say, I am, regardless of what you see public, my expression of simply stating my identity is where it begins and ends in terms of what else you need to know about me as a community. My identity, what I, what I believe about me and what I've chosen to express to you as my identity, whether you understand my process of how I got there, whether to you I look more male or female, um, whether I'm wearing a different color shirt that day, whether you look, look at me and let's say I look like I look to you as too masculine to call myself female, that does not lie within your hands to make that decision. That decision has already been made and it was made by me. And I chose to express that to you. I'm not asking you a question. I'm not saying I am this. Is that okay with you? I'm saying this is who I am. And your next response is nice to meet you or whatever else, you know, and that, that's really kind of where I think the first and foremost, you know, because when we're talking about treatment, right, which is, I think, the, the core of everything I think about um, is how this actually translates in the treatment world when, thank God, we're no longer viewing, first of all, props, thank God, gratitude for the fact that we are no longer viewing being gay as a mental illness. That is so long, hard fought, and it's not been that long at all since, you know, with all of us being on the planet. That is a new thing, okay? But that's actually not in the diagnostic statistical manual anymore as actually being a mental illness. It, it's unbelievable to me at times that it ever was and yet not at the same time. So um, I, I revel in the beauty of that and the fight that we got to get to this point. And yet I understand there's so much further to go. But for, as for me, my staff, anybody who would welcome an individual into the mental health addiction healing process, the first thing that I start with is whatever, whomever an individual identifies as is what you go by. I don't care what they may look like to you. That's not, 
This is not a matter of opinion. This is a statement. And, and I think that's the beauty of, of, of the greater increase in looking at pronouns is, is that, you know, it, it, right there, it gives you the opportunity to know how I am expressing myself, whether that be, you know, male, female, or, or whatever, it doesn't matter. And, and so, you know, I think that's why I just had a conversation on an, another podcast this morning, because they're like, what's the deal? It's a straight gentleman, he's a really cool ally of open, but he's like, what's the deal with the pronouns everywhere? Because I you know, have a little yeah. Zoom thing. And, and I'm like, it's a great yeah. question. Thank you for asking. And we kind of went down that path. And I think it's a nice shortcut to get into that conversation. And uh, yeah, look, when it comes I, um, to, oh, so Michael, I'm sorry, please, yeah. Sorry, um, look, I was going to say there was a, uh, when you were, I suppose we we're talking about that need for the labels and you were talking about that, um, the gender identity and, and, and a gender expression um, and our needing to have those labels to tell people. Um, I think that's something that's very personal for me and I, I kind of get it and it it looks a little bit more about um, what gender is as well. And when you were talking about when I'm looking masculine and I'm looking feminine um, and I am somebody, and you look at me because nobody can see me on the podcast. You're very eclectic. I'm a, <laughs> yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a six foot tall I'm a six foot tall um, man. I have blue and purple hair. I have nail polish. Um, normally I'm wearing like mascara or eyeliner. I've got uh, an earring hanging off one ear. Um, and uh, <clears throat> people don't know what's going on there. <laughs> I confuse people. Um, and so in, in that regard, I suppose <laughs> it's, it's important that we have these labels because it gives people an ability to, to understand. Um, and I can be like, yeah, you know, like I'm just, a gay man and they're like oh um because we have these societal understandings um of what gender is and gender essentially really is the social construct um and when you were talking before about masculine and feminine um and that's a thing that's breaking down um and we're starting to reevaluate or re-understand what masculine and what feminine means because I look at myself and I go, you know what, I'm masculine because I, I think that's what it is to me. And some people look and go, you got purple hair and you got nail polish, there's nothing masculine about you. <laughs> um, but I'm like, well, guess what? I'm a man and this is how I express my my manliness and this is who I am. I'm gender non-conforming, if you will, because this isn't how we look at people as being men or women because we mm. expect the dresses and the long hair, we expect the short hair and the beard, and i got a beard as well, and that just throws it all off. <laughs> um, <laughs> so these labels essentially are, are quite helpful um, and there was a key word that was used before and that was safety um, and they really make a safe place for people to be able to say hey guys this is this is me um, and I'm just helping you understand that and then and people can ask those questions and I work with a lot of young people and at the high school that I um, work at I have about 30 plus kids throughout the school attend our queer club um, so once a week we've got them come along and um, we hang out at lunchtime and we talk queer stuff and um, the kids have sometimes got questions and I tell you what these kids are teaching me more um, than I'm teaching them sometimes they're coming in and they're living in a world where at you know they're entering pubescence and they are going out on the internet and they're finding all the labels and they're, they're actually getting this really clear understanding at this young age of like these are all of the little weird pieces of the jigsaw puzzle that, that make me up. Um, and I'm no longer just looking at the words like gay and lesbian. I'm going, oh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling this way and the other. These kids are coming and telling me you know, that I'm a, a demi-pan something, 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 and I'm not even understanding them all um, because they're able to find these safe labels where they can actually be able to articulate the, the new things that they found about themselves and be able to put them forward and go, hey, this is me. 
And Michael, Michael what, that's a really important point. I'm sorry, Bindi, I'm so sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to, to, to and I'm going to let you speak in a second. I'm so sorry. What you just said just, just hit me so hard because you said they're, they're, they're coming up with these words, right? They're coming up with these definitions that you don't even understand. Oftentimes from the outside looking in, it's like you're going to throw another, another label at us. We were just coming to understand like cisgender, transgender, like non-binary. What are you talking about? And what I think what you just said is so important, which is they're looking, we're, you know, as a, as humans, we, I'll say we, but because they just sounds like so yucky to me, but we are looking for labels for safety. Because if we don't know, and we're in a time of transition ourselves, whatever that transition may be, you know, whether it's gender, whether it's sexuality, you know, all of that, we, we have a human right to explore this life for everything that it's worth. And within this community, we're trying to figure out as allies and also as those experiencing and walking the walk, we may not even have words to identify ourselves yet, but when we're looking for them, it sounds like what you're saying, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. I couldn't, especially with that gorgeous accent. Um, <laughs> really, I, I'd love to try. Bindi tells me I fail Stop every it. time. No. I, I won't. I won't. I come out cockney. It's it never bad. sounds as good out loud it's, as it does in your head. Real, yeah, it's real bad. It, it's totally, it's totally sexy in my head, and when it comes out, I just sound like my fair lady. So yeah. we're not going to try that. Um, but what I will say is that I think it's so important to understand from the perspective that you just gave that while we are looking for words that even you from within you know, your own search, your own, your own, you know, path, your own journey that you're going, they're doing words to me. I don't even understand. The frustration with that is why are you giving me so much to wrap my head around to, to understand you and identify you? Like, it feels like you're, it feels like you've got these walls up. And when I hear it from this perspective that you just gave, what it sounds like is, no, I'm just in a process of self-discovery and I'm looking for something that I can call myself, that I can identify with, because if I can't identify me, then I don't feel safe in the world mm. because I'm, and, I think that's real. Yeah. Look, I, and I had this, this brilliant moment at work one day um, and it really summed up this, this whole thing that we're talking about um, is I, cause I, I'm at school like this. I, I look like this at school, which I love. Uh, I've got, I've got a fantastic principal. Um, and I was coming through the office one day and I move at a million miles a minute and so does she. And, you know, there's parents coming in um, and I was kind of stopped and I was having a conversation with, with somebody and I was near this parent and the principal was there um, and the, the parent looked at me and I was, the look just you know the look of like the what's going on here yeah. who is this man is this a teacher what is it going on and and the principal just turned and she she's such an exceptional woman in that I've been helping educate her in terms of understanding labels and people and things and I hadn't even heard, given her this one um and uh, she was just having a casual conversation with, you know this is our school we do this we do this we do this uh, and she saw the look and then she looked at me and she's like and this is Michael he's my gender non-conforming teacher and he is absolutely fantastic you'll love him and she just off she went and I I just went that's that's it 
That's just <laughs> perfect. Um, it was just such an easy thing and it just rolled off the tongue and it provided an explanation that took that look out of the eyes. Um, it put me in a safe place where I was like, this person gets me and she understands me. Um, and, it, you know, now somebody else has an understanding as well and we can move forward from there. And that was really great for me in terms of labels and understanding That's and awesome. safety. Then congratulations to your principal but also congratulations for just two human beings that have a relationship that went on to educate so many other people in just the ease with which that rolls off her tongue because she took the time to understand and to learn what she didn't know. Um, Bindi, you were going to say something earlier when I so eloquently and appropriately (laughs) cut you off. I guess what's coming up for me here um, with what Michael said and, and, and how he expresses himself is that he is d- walking the talk, basically. He is that that full, unique expression of himself. And I've known Michael for quite some time and he never used to look like this, can I just say. Um, he's really <laughs> he's outwardly... <laughs> yes, he's he's really outwardly expressing himself now in comparison to when I first met him. So um, it's I've seen that development in him and... And I've also done the same. Like I've, I'm not hiding who I am anymore. So we're authentically being ourselves and expressing ourselves um, how we see fit. And it's nobody else's place to judge how that looks, how that feels for them, because it's none of their business. Um, Kate, I'm interested to know in the work that you do um, with the community, um, what your experience has been. You know, just addressing gender identity. And expression, and yeah. Making a safe space. Mm. Um, I mean, specifically, um, you know, with pronouns, and I think this is something that, you know, individuals struggle with when they, I don't want to say ignorant, but maybe just aren't um, as in touch um, with the education that's available um, with regards to the queer community. Um, It's hard to kind of say, I, I don't, I can't put a label on them. I don't know how. And then I don't want to guess what gender they are because I could offend them. So I think an important, you know, tool is to kind of create that safe space. So, I mean, what I always do when I, you know, meet an individual or do an assessment, I say, hi, how are you? I'm Kate. um, And my pronouns are are she, hers. Are you comfortable, you know, opening up and let me know how you would prefer to identify. Um, And that kind of creates the space that they go, okay, she gets it. And I might not be in this straight jacket of gender. Um, that's what I like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> I heard what you did there. Yes. You know, right? Mm. I mean, that's what I used to always say in college, you know, don't put me in a straight jacket of gender. Um, because in reality, I think it's just humans evolving also out of that binary. Um, and, and sometimes it's hard for individuals to kind of catch up. Um, but that's how, you know, humanity is progressing. So hop on. You know, when, I, it's, when I say ignorant, I say it with love. Ignorant, oh, is not, always. Mm. Ignorant, ignorant does not mean from the sticks and, you know, just, you know, living under a hole in the ground. Ignorant is, a di- there's a difference between ignorance and stupidity. Um, to be ignorant really literally translates into not knowing, not, not knowing. And to me, there's a very big difference when it comes to not knowing and not being willing to find out and not being willing to learn. Um, and that's a whole other level. Um, 
ignorance changes entirely once someone when you ask a question and someone answers it and you decide not to respect the answer that's no longer coming from a place of ignorance that's coming from a place of bigotry that's not that's coming from a place of of, of yucky yucky stuff that does not belong in any sort of conversation about identity um though it does raise its ugly head there right um asking the question but also knowing how to absorb the answer being prepared for the answer respecting the answer that that's not an act of ignorance that's an act of at minimum what i say is at minimum respect what we hope for is celebration but respect is where it'll least start acceptance is the bare minimum i accept what you've told me to be true I acknowledge what you told me to be true. The end goal, I feel, is to celebrate the journey that it takes for all of us to be able to identify and, more importantly, express who we are. I don't even want to say more importantly, because to identify is, is the most important to the outside world and for the safety that that represents. Um, it becomes so important to express it in a way that can be, if not understood, taught. And I think for those that have come to me, when I say, you know, an unwarranted you know, honor that's been given to me is that when I have had individuals who are cisgendered people look things up online, like how do I ask, literally into Google, how do I ask a person about their identity? How do I ask? The answers that come up are very, very off-putting. And I think we need to be aware that, you know, and I'm talking, of course, as, you know, a woman from the United States, Google is our friend, and we don't understand where we're going. You know, we're trying to get to a Starbucks. The first thing we do is Google it. Okay, so the first things that come up that represent a community of human beings, you know, they're not the most inviting responses that, that one would get when typing in the question, how do I ask yada yada? What is such and such, right? Um, they'll give you a definition, yes, but they will not, and I don't think, and I think maybe it's a, a benefit to us that Google cannot yet answer the question of how do I have a conversation with a human being about their identity? Thank God computers have not actually answered that one for us yet, or I think we might be stripped of all of our humanity. Um, it still does, they still do give us the, the opportunity to have conversations as humans. And I'm glad that that opportunity exists where we're all willing to take it. But without people to talk to and safe forums to speak in, those that don't understand, who are seeking understanding, and who try to find that by typing in something on the internet, are met with a response that basically says, who are you to ask this question? That's not like, duh, what's the matter with you? You know, and so we need to, I just, just, putting it out there but that that is 
what I feel and what I've experienced, and I think I've had a very non-traditional experience of what it means to be embraced, what it means to be um, an ally to those who have accepted my alliance and only accepted it, but relied upon and welcomed me into it, into a family in which I don't by my gender identity nor my sexual identity fit, right? So there's my nonconformity. Um, I'm a nonconformist and I'm invited into a space where otherwise I don't belong. I'm the plus one, right? Um, that I that I get to embrace being. Um, but it is an honor and I understand my limitations within that space. I was just going to say, I think it just comes down to safety again um, when we're coming down to this. And it's a tricky one when you're saying wanting to to ask people about their identity, their labels, the sexuality, the gender, all of those things um, is, I suppose, it's almost, and I, some people say this and I kind of agree sometimes, if you want to ask, the first thing I'd say is don't um, because quite often for queer people um, and any number of labels, it can actually be quite exhausting um, to be the educators in that system. Um, it's not always our job to educate, um, but safety is the word that I think is the best way to go about that before that. So, and it comes right back to what we were saying before about um, when we introduce our pronouns um, and we put ourselves forward, um, whether you are a queer person or a heterosexual person um, and you're putting those pronouns out there, you're creating a safe space that says, hey, I'm putting out here who and what I am uh, and I'm inviting you to know that you are okay to share that with me um, and then that allows people to then open up those conversations. Um, and so when you create the safe space, then you create the open space for dialogue and that's when you can start to have those conversations with people about who they are and how they identify. Um, you know, coming straight out of the bat and going to somebody that looks like me and be like, hey, like, that hair's really funny. So what, are you, are you gay? Are you, are you trans? Are you, what's that? Um, I would immediately have my backup. Like, I, I, you know, yeah. what? like no, you just come and ask me that. Like, I'm, I, I don't mind. Yes, of course, clearly I'm queer, but um, you know, I would prefer that if you want to come and have that conversation with me, that you build that safe space with me to know that, Hey, you're not just asking because any number of you know agendas you have behind you um i want to know that i'm in a safe space with somebody to have a conversation about my identity if they want to talk about this as well michael i want you to please speak more about that because i i really i what you just said is literally the crux of the conversation that existed between bindi and i why we actually began this conversation what you just said is absolutely essential which is you know, if someone comes up to you and they're just like, so what are you? Human. You know? <laughs> yeah, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. First answer out of my mouth, yes. right? What yes, are yes, you? yes. You know what I mean? What are you? And we've seen that with race as well before, right? Someone has come up to me and and has not questioned my gender identity, um, my gender expression, because I think I express myself in traditionally female ways. Even when I'm wearing and rocking like a, a suit, just like Madonna did way before me, um, and 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 so and so did Coco Chanel. Okay, uh, way before me, women have donned suits and done a damn good job of it. Okay, that being said, um, when someone, if someone were to come up to me, I've never, you know, had the question of what are you, 
Um, but I have had an around race, right? And yeah. so I, I have. I, I've had the question is so so what are you? And and my question back is to what are you referring? Do you mean where was I born? Do you mean you know, and I'm not offended at this point. I just literally want to know what they're getting at. You yeah. know, um, because to me, the greatest compliment that could ever be given if I were in West Hollywood, a gay community and whatnot, is if someone were to come up to me and say, what are you? And I'm at Hamburger Mary's, one of our, you know, famous drag queen bars. The biggest compliment ever that could be given to me is that somebody actually thinks that I may be a drag queen. And I'm like, oh my God, please think I'm a drag queen. For one night of my life, I will admit it. I am a star if someone actually thinks I'm a drag queen um, because they are some of the most astoundingly um, beautiful expressions of femininity that I've ever looked at. You know, that they, they take it beyond what, you know, we couldn't even fathom. It, it becomes an art, you know, it really becomes an art. So, be just you know throwing on sweatpants going out in the day and someone going ah she's a female cool okay we don't need to ask her um that being said what you just got at is so important which is creating that space of safety and what it looks like on both sides of that conversation because when we are talking about treatment that question has to get asked and in the way that you know, I'm very lucky that I have Kate who answers those calls and is as educated and in touch with that as she is. Um, she's so much more than what she indicated in her <laughs> little two second introduction of herself, by the also way. But very also, modest and humble. We can identify that. She, hers, modest, humble. There you go. Um, that's a good, yeah. Um, but th that being said, I'm not modest and humble when it comes to the the partners in care that I have on whom I rely to be the voices and liaisons in a community that is about inclusivity and is about understanding how to manage situations where from the get-go, where some, how someone identifies literally, you know, we're, we're talking about people who are, in, in my case, intoxicated um, and also, you know, are coming in with mental health issues, right? And our first job is, as clinicians, is to say, okay, where do we place this person so they are the most safe? And where I go with that is that they immediately get privacy, meaning they don't, and that, by the way, equates to just dollars and cents wise, being willing to literally put your money where your mouth is. Because if you have somebody identify, however they identify, from nonconformist to I don't know, to I'm transitioning, to whatever, what they say, what they express, is what we respect, which means we are not taking a client who to us looks on the surface in our conformist mentality as feminine and saying, you're going into a room with another female client. We ask, we ask, 
and we create a and clinically we create a safe space for that conversation to happen. Now, in the world at large, though, you're at a supermarket, at a bar, at a restaurant, wherever you are. How is that safe space created? Where you are, you know, we're talking about maybe even a, a few sentences or a few, you know, a paragraph intro that that changes the approach of this from being one of I'm here to interview you, you know, I'm here to I'm I'm here to inspect you, or I'm here because I want to understand you and I want to begin a conversation with you, and and. I know I'm putting you on the spot, Michael, because that's not an easy question to answer. But, yeah, no, it's um, fine. Um, look, it comes down to intent as well and also looking at the intent of the person that you're talking to. If I'm yeah. sitting in there in, in, a, in a bar, is that a conversation I want to be having? Um, why do you want to ask me in a bar? Um, and so then how are you going to frame that? Um, I suppose if, the, you know... It again comes down to that that question about uh, as queer people, do we have to continue to be educating and do we have to continue to be explaining? Um, and I get, I get where people come from, and it's always a beautiful place. Like there's you know ninety percent of people when I have a conversation with me about what I look like and who I am, they're not coming from from a bad place, and they they want exactly as you say, like. I want to create a safe space. I want you to know that I'm an ally. I want you to know that this is fantastic. Um, and so it is a tricky one. It's like, well, you know, how do you actually have that conversation? And there is no right or wrong answer. Um, and it it is so hard to, to respond, I suppose, um, in that it just if you wanted to talk to somebody and you wanted to get to know them and that was part of the thing, then just have a natural conversation with them. If you didn't know me and you wanted to, then you would sit down and be like, hey, what do you do for work? What are all of the normal conversation points that we have? Yeah. Um, and then allow that thing to feel flow freely, um, build a safe, a safe space, a, a safe talking talking point. First have a conversation with you as a human. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, I think, yeah, if someone (laughs) comes in and asks you to explain yourself, it's kind of like, I came out to get a drink, not to explain myself to you. (laughs) You It goes back to what? Educate you. (laughs) In what world does it make sense for you, you know? And I think that's kind of what it boils down to. It's stop looking at what people look like and get to know them as individuals. And from there, you know, like Michael said, things will flow a bit more freely once you give them the respect of being another human being just trying to you know live (laughs) i I, want to challenge that if i could if okay um just as someone who has you know found themselves in situations by choice right where i i live my life very much as an open book and as and as an open door Right. And so I can intuitively sense what wrong and right timing is to ask somebody something. Right. When we are at a bar and we're talking about safety, I may be asking you how you identify. Because if I am an interested party sexually, I want to know whether or not we're a match. And that doesn't always come out 
in creating safety first. There's a conversation that happens clinician to client, and then there's a conversation that happens where I'm out and I'm having shots, and I want to know whether or not, you know, we're a fit, and I want to find out the fastest way to that conversation without offending you, but also when safety is involved. You know, again, switching back to the therapeutic role, where that question has not been asked or where it has been asked in a way where that answer has not been accepted or well-received. We end up with situations that I've heard from clients that have come in and said to me, this is what I should have done. They take it upon themselves and say, this is what I should have done better to have educated this person on who I feel I am in my identity and in my expression. And I didn't. And therefore, this transpired. I am never one to say, and I never will be, that for me, the minute that someone is uncomfortable and the minute that someone says, for whatever reason they're saying it, it could be because Mercury is in retrograde. I really don't care. You say, no, I'm no longer comfortable with this. That's what's respected, okay? But as a general rule, when we're out in the dating community, when we're out in the community of just looking at someone and we're just talking about sexual attraction, we're just talking about, you know, whatever I identify as wants whatever you are. And I want to make sure that whatever your identity is fits together with what my parts are telling me I want right now. Right. And I'm just, I'm just being, I'm just being blunt because this is the conversation that happens. And we're talking about safety and we're talking about what happens to people who don't know how to navigate that conversation appropriately. We're almost talking about two very, very different realms. You know, we're talking, we're talking as clinicians, we're talking as teachers. And when you say, you know, the responsibility, it's an enormous responsibility and I shouldn't have to, when I'm out having a drink, be the one to sit there and get out the dictionary of terms and educate you. Then my, my, it's not even a challenge. My request of that is, if not you, meaning you, the broader term, if not you, the community who just wants to go out and have a drink and not be asked, then who? Because right now, I think that everyone is looking to find a leader who is going to be the voice of, this is what this means, this is what's okay, this is what's not, almost like romper room, you know what I mean? Or reading Rainbow or Sesame Street or any of the things that we grew up with, I'm probably aging myself beyond, beyond, beyond. Um, Dora the Explorer. You know now I mean? I'm just I'm picturing Mr. Rogers tying his shoes and going through the. Dora the Explorer. Where do you dig? Where do you not dig, Dora? You know, this is the kind of idea. So that's that's really the idea here is in love and in protection of both sides of this. Let's let we're assuming best intentions on the side of the, the inquisitor. 
we're, we're assuming best intentions on the side of the person who says, please tell me more. I need to know for whatever reason yeah. they need to know. And I think the, the most important thing you said was intention. And, and if you feel like the intention is, I really want to learn about who you are and, you know, how you identify, it could be for very selfish purposes, which is because I want to know how quickly I can get you into a bedroom or not, which, mm-hmm. is, which is, but that's real. That's real. Yeah, look, it is. And it's, I would like to say you've opened a lovely little minefield um, <laughs> in terms of where <laughs> we're going here. Um, I I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and look, at its core, where you're going with that, and, and I say this to anybody that is listening, um, is you have to be able to approach it on a human versus human experience. If you're seeing somebody in a bar and you think you're attracted to them, um, we, you shouldn't, and look, and I, I'm not a trans person and I don't like speaking for trans people when there aren't trans people in the room. Um, however, uh, you know, from what I have gleaned from trans experiences and people that I've spoken to, um, you you don't want to be thinking, I suppose, and trying to be asking these questions because you're wanting to know what bits are under the clothes to know if their bits are compatible with your bits because that's the only reason you're going to want to get them in the room. Um, I think that is that is a, a very big minefield of a conversation to be having. And at the end of the day, you're talking about whether trans people are actually going to disclose their transness to you or not, because we're talking about whether or not they're saying he, him, and whether that means that they, what their, their physicality lies underneath and the, you know, whether or not somebody is going to disclose that level of information for you. All of that is all of things that are all going to be very, very unique in individual situations. And when it comes to, all of that, it, it it's stuff that's that's going to come up, and I suppose you got to scale all of that away. And I know that there are so many identities and so many things that could be happening. But at the end of the day, if you see somebody that you're keen on in the bar, you go in and you strike up a conversation with them as normal. And like your safety point, I think for anyone, if you think that this is a queer space and you want to put that out there, I think that that safety net that we've created is saying. G'day, my name is Michael. Um, I'm he, him. Um, or, you know, if you want to be clear, you could be um, he, him, and I'm a cisgen, uh, cisgendered, yeah, that's right. I'm a cisgen man. Um, lovely to meet you. And then that that's just opening the little gate. You go, mm-hmm. um, here, come on in. And if they want to say anything more from there, and if it's about going down there because you want to go and take them home or whatnot, all of that stuff is going to roll out from, from at that point. And you can only just open the gate and let the other person speak with what they have to say and then just get to know them as a person and who they are and what they do and it's all just going to roll out from there. Um, I don't think, especially when we're talking about intent coming in and going in because you're attracted and you want to start the conversation because you want to know what's underneath their clothes and whether or not it goes with what's underneath your clothes, you start that conversation, I think you're going to be heading for a train wreck. Um, it just has to raising, be about the human experience. Thank you for raising the bar on literally on bar conversations everywhere because (laughs) everybody wants to know what bits are underneath our clothes. And they think if we can just actually go with that, to be very honest with you, that's, that's, that's the gift that comes with being truly, you know, uh, an ally and woke by conversations like this is like, Hey ladies, Hey guys, Hey, however you identify, just so you know, 
if this is the conversation that's happening and the only reason why it's happening is to know whether or not their bit fits with your bits, let's, you know, let's just, let's just understand right now that we just, we just raised the bar on that conversation a bit because ordinarily what happens is there's just an assumption made that if our bits fit together, that's, you know, we don't need to ask anything. Mm. We just need to go right into other kinds of conversation uh, you know, and 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 just overlook any of that completely. What this really does is, from the way I take it, and I probably take it from a clinical perspective because I can never turn off the analyst in my mind, honestly. But what that really does is ask us to have a more human experience than just going in and saying, "Hey, are your bits compatible with my bits?" Because what you're really doing is asking that the conversation be held up to a higher standard, which is, are you, the person, compatible with me, the person? And I'd like to get to know you, the person, whether I want to go home and sleep with you or I want to go home and befriend you. Hopefully the idea is before we're sleeping together, we're comfortable enough having a conversation about who we are. And I think that that's human. Yeah. And and I I want to jump in because one thing that that keeps resonating is about like, if not you, who is from the education piece. So I'm like, that's where our flippant allies need to come in, quite Mm -hmm. frankly. Um, And and they need to know this stuff and they need to understand the difference between gender identity, gender expression, biological sex, and and, and my physical uh, and emotional attraction. You know, that that shouldn't just be on the burden of the queer community to educate folks. It needs to be all y'all, as we say here in the South. And and so I, I think that that's the opportunity for listening to this. And, you know, this, this, you aren't part of the queer community, fan flippantastic. Learn some stuff and be an awesome ally to create that safe space for everyone. Don't call yourself an ally because you hung a, rain, a rainbow flag without even knowing where it came totally from. Agree. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And the only reason why you're doing it is to put it on your door and say, we don't judge, you're welcome here. Well, not to open a whole other can of worms, but there's a lot of places where we started hanging things on doors that said, you're welcome here now. And there are things that we've abolished as disgusting and completely regressive at this point. So to me, to hang a rainbow, a rainbow flag on your door, whether you're a person, a restaurant, a car, whoever you are as a, you know, an entity, Know and embrace what that means before you wave any flag as an ally. And, you know, truly, because the responsibility does fall, I think, and I think that's that's the leveling factor, right? Is who does it fall to if we're all human? It falls to all of us. Exactly. So and and yeah. Renee, that leads us into how I'd love us to wrap up this episode. And and you know, you mentioned the rainbow flag there, which is another sense of identity for the community. And and Michael's even got one hanging off his ear. Um, and and Steve's just put his up. So and it's lovely. Yeah, it's lovely. So I I'd love lovely. to share with you because a lot of people don't know what that rainbow flag stands for. Um, and there's a lot of confusion and and people just think, oh, that's just gay. Um, but it's more than that. <laughs> it's far more than that. Um, so let. Let me, let me give you a little history lesson, right? So it goes back to 1978 
when the artist Gilbert Baker, an openly gay man and a drag queen, designed the first rainbow flag. Baker later revealed he was urged by Harvey Milk, one of the first openly gay elected officials in the US, to create a symbol of pride for the gay community. Baker decided to make that symbol a flag because he saw a flag as the most powerful symbol of pride. He said, our job as gay people was to come out, to be visible, to live in the truth, as I say, to get out of the lie. A flag really fit that mission because that's a way of proclaiming your visibility or saying, this is who I am. Baker saw the rainbow as a natural flag from the sky, so he adopted eight colours for the stripes, each colour with its own meaning. Hot pink for sex, red for life, (laughs) orange for healing, yellow for sunlight, green for nature, turquoise for art, indigo for harmony, and violet for spirit. It was not until 1994 that the rainbow flag was truly established as a symbol for the LGBTQ pride. There you go. Schooled. And actually, side side note, they dropped pink because they couldn't find the fabric. And um, there's actually a bit of history that that he actually, (laughs) he uh, he had a a, a huge version of that flag that was um, first created and I think it was, if I'm wrong, I think it was San Francisco. It was done and then I think they extended it or made a bigger one or something for New York, I think a few years later or whatnot. And it was like blocks and blocks and blocks long. Mm -hmm. Um, And after, yeah, so it was carried and marched. It was amazing. And after that was actually done, um, it was cut up into pieces Mm -hmm. Um, and that original Pride flag was cut into pieces and actually sent to different Pride organisations around the world. And actually where I am in Brisbane, I used to be the Vice President of the Brisbane Pride Festival here for eight years. Um, Brisbane Pride is the only Pride organisation in Australia that actually received one of those pieces. So we actually have one of those pieces of the original Pride flag is in the custodianship of Brisbane Pride uh, here in Queensland. It's a very, very special thing that we have. We bring it out for our Pride March every year. See, Bindi's been trying to get me to go out to Australia forever, and now... Is that what it took? <laughs> I mean, no, no, absolutely not. But it does, sweet, it does sweeten the pot when I think about getting attacked by magpies. I'm like, absolutely, though, that, that does trump my fear of magpies. Absolutely. <laughs> and the fact that the, the, the helmets ruin my hair. Mm. Um, so, just saying. That, no, oh. that's an amazing, I don't think that many, many people understand the, the meaning of the flag. Um, I think that a lot of people um, think that the colors of the flag actually represent different communities within the flag. And what's so amazing to me is that that flag is actually talking about the human being mind, body, spirit, emotion, sexuality, all of it. And that was the original intent all those years ago and it's still the original intent today. And to wave that or to have a sticker of that or to post that anywhere, you damn well better be ready to know where it came from and know what you're representing, especially as an ally before you go sticking that somewhere just because you think it's cute. Exactly. And, Steve, you look like you're itching to say something because you, you, no, no, you've I, got I your flag, say, don't and, you? And, no, and, and I'm like a big 
flag nerd, so that's why I'm so excited <laughs> to talk about this. But you know, like, and there are iterations of the flag. I mean, there's the Philadelphia um, flag that added the black and brown stripes to represent um, people of color within the queer community. There's the progressive flag, which now incorporates both those um, those uh, people of color of representation as well as the trans flag. So all of them represent. You know, I like I've, I've had conversations with people like, which one's right? I'm like, yes. They all are. And and because they're representing different facets of us, because we're not a one size fits all label kind of community, but no, and, and to to um to everyone's point here saying that it's you know, if you are are representing that and you're being an ally with that, remember that if you're waving that flag, allyship is in one of three areas. You're either standing in front, you're standing beside, or you're standing behind, and smart allies know which is which. Exactly. And Kate, I just wanted to grab any final thoughts you might have. Uh, in relation to the rainbow flag? Um, I mean, I love it. And I love rainbows. And uh, to me, I think it it, it just kind of, um, it touches upon that spectrum as well. Um, all the colors run into each other in a rainbow. And I think that that's how we need to kind of define the human experience. And I think the queer community is leading the way in that. Love it. Love it. Now, as we wrap up, um, we also have a playlist uh, that is part of the Get Real with Dr. Ron A podcast, and I have hit you all up for your song contributions. So we're going to run around and uh, contribute those now. So Steve, your song. Uh, I think um, the This Is Me from The Greatest Showman is just a beautiful way to celebrate Here I Am, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. Amen. And Michael? This is possibly one of my most favourite queer anthems I ever found. Found it on YouTube years ago um, when I was hosting a TV show called QTV. Uh, the song is called Define Me um, and it's by a uh, LA-based uh, artist. His name is Ryan Amador. He's an in, a independent queer artist. He does a lot of queer songs and it's a really beautiful, powerful touching song that fits right in what we're talking today about labels, um, about how we define people and who we are. Um, make sure you go and watch the film clip for this on YouTube as well. It will make you cry. Um, it is beautiful. So, yeah, Define Me by Ryan Amador. Love it. And Kate? Mine's a little bit in the opposite direction. <laughs> it's called Colouring Outside the Lines. Um and, you know, it just, to me, it touches upon, you know, we're not set in one mindset, you know, our, our life isn't to draw inside the lines, it's to see life in all of its beautiful colours and colour wherever the hell you want. Mm. And Renee, your song? My song is by Ani DeFranco, um, and it's called Evolve. And it was actually introduced to me by um, a cisgender heterosexual male who absolutely heard that song and thought that it was the anthem for people everywhere who really want to do exactly what that song says, which is evolve, look deep within and don't stop looking until you become the best version of yourself. And that means being educated. And that means knowing where you stand and whether you stand beside, in front, or in back. Be aware of where you stand. Be aware of where you stand. Be aware of your own evolution. Because only then can we actually embrace another's. It all starts with us. 
Mm, that sounds familiar. Um, and uh, my, my song uh, is a no-brainer. It's Born This Way by Lady Gaga. <laughs> uh, and uh, the meditation for this episode, Accept Your Worthiness, you can find the playlist on Spotify. Just search for Get Real with Dr. Ronay and you'll find the meditations on Insight Timer. Thanks for getting real with Dr. Ronay. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in to Get Real with Dr. Ronay. If you've loved the show and would like to experience coaching with coaches like Dr. Ronay or Bindi through Live Treatment Concierge Services, visit livetreatmentvip.com. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.